Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. You are. And today we're going to talk about emotional resiliency or this too shall pass. Right? That is really... That's resilient. That's oh, resiliency. Oh, it seems packed. Uh, it is. Condescending. It is. I, I thought about it. I had a person I used to work with and she always used to say, uh, too bad, so sad. I'm glad you're mad. But that seemed a little bit not as that nice. That is cruel. This too shall pass. That or anything cruel. that doesn't kill us makes us stronger. That's another one of those. These are all just total ones. BS. So. I know. Well, it's, it's, it's the um, philosophy of cliché. Well, the problem being that we don't have the steps before we get to that cliche to right. figure it out. So those things are very trite, trite. That's the word I like. Well, it so. saves money on counselors if you just read fortune cookies. So <laughs> I had no idea. There I'm going to go. remember that when I'm talking to okay, people that so, are really struggling. So we're talking about, and why is emotional resiliency with sustainability? Well, I, this is even one I can identify the connection with. But tell me exactly what you see emotional resiliency as, Miss Annie. <laughs> wow. Well, Miss Annie, this is completely my take on things. And I just want to say the reason I wanted to talk about this is that I have, uh, it's unbelievable to me since the two years of the pandemic how people are struggling at every level of life emotionally. And I believe that a lot of that comes from the fact that we don't have the ability to bounce back, to be resilient. And I also believe it's because we have not been taught to think. So anyway, so resiliency is what gives people the psychological strength to cope with stress and hardship and pandemic, the pandemic and, and, everyday life, it seems like in this country. Uh, you know, we were talking about this four years of uh, number 45 and uh, two years of COVID and then now a war. Um, it's a lot. Well, and resiliency, it really brings it to my mind anyway. I mean, we're recording this really at the beginning stages of the uh, Russian invasion of the Ukraine. And you were working with a lot of these Ukrainian women farmers who were set to come this next week, in fact, to yeah. come visit our farm. And and in the lead up to the war, we kept talking to them. And these are just middle-class folks who are thinking, I, I want to get something on sale at Kroger's or whatever. Yeah. And what and can I buy when I'm on my trip? And and every time you went to them, you said, you know, is this, are you afraid about this? And no, no, that's crazy. I mean, this is, this is uh, 2022. No, People don't do, do these things. We have things to do. This is what Natalia told me. She's a, she's a businesswoman and she teaches other women about business around agriculture. So she's very educated and intelligent and she speaks English and she, which is great because we can communicate. And she said, you know, I have children in school. I have work, my work. I have uh, a garden to plant and I'm going to my country home. I know. Uh, in in a month and so it's i don't like, have time for war yeah we don't we can't have a war the dishes need doing. that's right well that's what i would say <laughs> right but these are these people at the very extreme are now saying okay we have we have to practice extreme resilience oh yeah everything's so, on the line so as we're talking no, as we're talking no about normal. this yeah we're saying okay 
apply these things. That's the extreme case, but there are lesser cases that are going to be impacted within everybody's lives. Everybody, not just Ukrainian people, but everybody in, on the planet is going to be impacted. And we already have been because we live in a global society. So the reason I wanted to talk about this, and I'm glad you brought up about the Ukrainian women in agriculture, because this has impacted us. It's impacted me. I've never directly known anybody who's been in a war. I have taken women to war zones and we have met people who've been through it. The conflict sometimes still going on to some extent. One time there was a gun battle in the street outside of where we were sleeping. But it's not the same thing as today where I know these women, I'm connected to the, they have a lot of the same things that I care about. You know, they love their kids. They, they love the soil. And so I wanted to talk about this because uh, I also see everybody I know struggling to some extent from emotional um, uh, issues and not having, most of them not having the resiliency, the, the ability to snap back. They don't have the mental reservoir of strength that people are able to call on in these kinds of experiences. And psychologists believe that resilient individuals are better able to handle adversity and rebuild their lives after a struggle. And that doesn't mean that we don't feel these things and struggle. I mean, I feel like I am emotionally a very resilient person. And I work directly with people. I have several people I'm working with right now I used to call it consulting. Now it's become now it's counseling. counseling, but that's okay. That's what consulting is anyway. And I, and I love doing it because it's really um, exciting to to meet up with somebody and partner with them and help them find this reservoir that's in all of us if we massage it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, and part of it is the idea that in every person's life, bad things are going Absolutely. to happen. Absolutely. So there's, how do you get out the other end of it without just being, you know, destroyed by it or, or right. diminished? Well, you it. have to develop and you can. Everybody can learn to do this. Every life is an emotional roller coaster. And if you say it isn't, then you're not paying attention. <laughs> or you're um, a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that. But then sociopath, you don't pay attention. So I think, you know, the goal for me is to be kind of on an even keel. I want to be in a calm place so I can draw on those resources that I have at being resilient. And that helps us to sustain life. It helps us to, to go back to, so we have something harsh happen in life. You know, our house burns down, we get fired our dog dies, um, somebody's very cruel to us. It doesn't have to be extreme. But if we have this pool to draw on this reservoir inside of ourselves and we have the skill sets that we can use to bring ourselves back to a new normal or to a calmer place, and that's what we lack in this country. So would one of the very first steps is be aware of what you're feeling? You know, uh, Well, the- to some extent, but I think, first of all, it's to to learn some, uh, when we'll talk about this in a minute, but it really is to learn from the mishaps and the misfortunes that you have in life and to also learn how to rely on others, to draw on a tribe of people that know stuff you don't know or know you well enough to say, hey, you know, remember when you did this and repeat to you some of the things you've said to them to help them. So there's this whole network of what needs to happen. So in, and, and so a lot of bad things can happen. A lot of harsh things can happen. Um, sometimes things are too good 
and like you won the lottery or whatever, you don't have the ability to deal with it. You know, people think it's just about money, but it would be about everything in your life. So you need this toolkit that I call it. Um, and instead of falling into despair and hiding from your problems and um, uh, living with unhealthy coping strategies like getting drunk, getting high, uh, too much sex, um, just all the shopping all the time, all the crazy things that people do to try to fill up this despair and, and try to hide it. Um, we, we need to take life's difficulties head on and we need to say, all right, what are we going to do about it? And if I can't think of what to do, I go to you or my friends that I'm close to that, um, that know me, that know the, the worst parts of me and they still love me. So that's important. Well, one thing I was thinking about when, when this and when the Ukrainian uh, situation was arising, and, and I don't know if this falls in your guidelines, but I was thinking when, whenever I'm hit with an immediate crisis, whether it's real or perceived, I, I always have sort of an immediate reaction. And that immediate reaction is almost always wrong. And, and I was just thinking... I need to remind myself to just say, listen, I'm going to wait for just a little bit here and try and absorb it and process it and understand it before I come up with a solution. Is that, is that something that makes any well, sense? Well, that's, that's one of the things that can happen, although that takes a, a real skill building. And so that's one of the things that when we talk about what they call post-traumatic growth, that is really that pool, that reservoir of resiliency that you've established, those skills, those tools in that toolkit. And one of them would be just tell your brain, okay, shut up for right now. Let's just listen. Let's just listen to Annie. She's usually got this right. <laughs> okay. and she's, and she's, I'll just have that tattooed on my yeah, arm. Yeah, and All she's right. just, no you know, being emotional, which is, you know, but then at some point it becomes clear that there's a need maybe to just express the sadness, to express the horror, and then move on. What can I do about it? So that's mm -hmm. that post-traumatic growth. And these changes... The, these things, this, this toolkit can bring great calm and great um, just goodness to life. Uh, people, everybody I know is having what they call anxiety attacks. So I want to develop these resiliency skills so that I can have a deeper appreciation for life and I can have a better sense of my own capabilities and I can have stronger connections to others. And sometimes that's hard, like for me, the stronger connections, when something is deeply hurting me or I'm feeling very low about something, I need to have the words. And I understand this about myself before I can talk about it. So I've done things like make a deal with other people. When I'm low, I promise, I pinky swear, I'm going to come and try to tell you what's happening, because I can't figure it out. I never figure it out on my own. I need other people to say, you're doing great. Everything's, you know, what, what would you tell yourself? Well, I would tell myself to, you know, move on or tell myself, go sit alone and do some meditation. But I can't think of that when I'm, when I'm upset sometimes. So, well, one thing that you used to do that, that helped me a lot is, is if I was overly worrying about something, You'd say, okay, let's make an appointment, a time to allocate for worry. You know, on Monday at 10 o'clock, right. we're going to spend an hour worrying about this, but you're not allowed to worry about it till then. 
and and you're like, oh, okay, all right, I can do that. It doesn't really work. I mean, you it still worry work. about no, it a little bit. No, because you can say tomorrow at three o'clock, I'm going to worry about it, and then you set it aside. And if it pops back into your head, say, wait, oh, okay, that's not for three o'clock. That's it's not three o'clock. And yeah. you know what? If it's three o'clock the next day, and you really do need to do it, which probably ninety nine point nine percent of the time is totally not necessary, you might have already worked it out. Another thing is to say. I'm, I'm not going to do anything about it tonight. If I sleep on it, it's going to look different in the morning. And I swear to God, almost 100% of the time, it will. But it also gives you a chance to think, all right, I'm going to talk to so-and-so. They know about that law, or they know about that lawn care thing, or they know about how to get the copies made. Or you a know. good attorney. Yeah, that's right. Let me find a good well, attorney. I always like the quote from Mark Twain, where he said, I'm an old man, and I've had many troubles, most of which never happened. Yes. You know. So here's the deal. Most resilient people roll with the punches, as they say. So they may be crying and unhappy and, and temporarily knocked off their, their central point, um, but they're going to look for the new normal and they're going to say, okay, I have to shift things slightly. So Stella will get her groove back. That's right. And so resiliency has a lot of benefits for daily life. Um, not just for major catastrophes. And, and the, the thing is that I think there are people, I know there are people who have the abilities naturally with per certain personality traits. Other people have to learn this. So some people can remain unflappable in the face of challenge. And these behaviors are not just inborn traits, but uh, uh, they are things we can learn. And it's a complex series of retraining your brain with new messages and then acting it out and seeing the positiveness and also connecting with others who will be, who want to help you, who want to share and um, work with you. Okay, well, we'll continue that in a minute, but I want to let everyone know you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you again, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. So we're talking about emotional resiliency. And, and I think um, you were just saying there are certain tools, certain things you can learn. I well, don't know certain things gonna... that traits that either we have intuitively or we have learned or that we can learn. And the first one is emotional awareness. So, you know, I wanted to understand how I react to life. I want to, I, I have a pretty good handle on that and I worked hard at it. Um, because I don't think I was born with a natural ability to, to think resiliently. I think you, that's one of the things I always was so impressed with you uh, when we were first together. I'm still impressed, but um, I was very impressed in the beginning because you seem to have this natural, so don't get your chest all puffed up and get the fat head, but I, I've told you this a thousand times if I've told it once, that you had this natural ability to have a basic emotional awareness. Yes, you, like I asked you the other day when I was crying about the my friends in Ukraine and, and uh, you said, are you going to cry every day about this? And I said, no, just, just for a little bit, not all day long. And I said, don't you find this sad? I don't understand why everybody isn't crying about the sadness of this. And you said, well, I get it intellectually. I say I'm sad in my head, but not in my heart. Yeah. And yeah. so, but that there is a, re, there is a need for that tool to, to be in the toolkit. I, I need to not be empathetic all the time and you need to be 
more empathetic. No, well, <laughs> the point is, I'm not saying it as a derogatory or a bad thing. I'm right. saying we, we have to work at this resiliency. Our culture does not reward us for having emotional awareness. We should be doing what we're told, which is go shopping, be in debt, uh, believe in the government, believe in insurance, believe in all the things that actually, uh, that's another show. So anyway, so you, you want to have an awareness of what you're feeling and why and understand the feelings of others um, at, at the same time because maybe they're in better touch with themselves. Okay, so then next you want to have an internal um, locus of control and that's something that... Um, is really uh, believing that it isn't the outside forces when we say somebody made me feel that no. or do that. It's saying I Rather know. than be a victim of, of the situation, you just at least own it. Yeah. So, so if I, you know, I was in a meeting once where, where um, there were high up government officials and they called a, all of us ladies in agriculture and I immediately reacted to that. And I said, I'm not a lady. I'm a woman. I'm a farmer. I work hard. Okay. And I needed, I, I needed to say that because those external forces were pushing and I don't want to be controlled by that. And I think that's, that's what we have to do is be transparent and put it on the table. We also need to learn to be a lot more positive in situations and believe in our own strength in those situations. So, creating some sense of optimism about my own personal power to speak up and say, I'm a woman, I'm a farmer. Don't call me a lady. Uh, mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to do that. Well, one thing that I do, and, and maybe this is in the same vein, is oftentimes when confronted with a, with a challenge or whatever, I'll usually try and remind myself, somebody can do this. So why not why me? Why can't I? You know, yeah. I've got those abilities. That's some of some things that are in the toolkit or I'm smart enough to figure it out, or I'm smart enough to ask other people to help me. I mean, there are a lot. And darn it, people like me. I know right? it. I know it. What was the name of that character? I don't even Carrie, know. Yeah. Carrie Starr yeah. always says that. Yeah. All right. I, I can't ahead. think of the name of it. Anyway, so, but that's a good mantra. That would be a good mantra for your toolkit. The next time somebody's giving you baloney and, or you're doubting yourself, but you know you could do it, then you tell yourself, you know. Uh, well, I, I tell myself that Ben Carson can perform brain surgery. I mean, <laughs> geez, <laughs> I yeah. can do pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so the idea is that resilient people see positives in most situations and they believe in the strength of that. And so it's like my grandma used to say, you could throw me into a pile of um, uh, manure and I would figure out how to... She'd still find the pony, right? No, she would not. She would grow roses and they would there be beautiful. And she would be positive about it. And, and I think that's what we have to do is to say, analyze the situation. It adds a richness, a, a mental well-being. So we don't always see what's wrong. We see the other side of it as well. So I think a sense of humor is another piece of this. And honestly, this is one of the things that you have brought to my life. And I didn't mean this show to be about you, but, but it's true <laughs> because when things were tense or there was a, a, a point where we couldn't figure out something, it didn't even mean we were at odds. And you would always, you still do find some way to laugh at the difficulty of it. And the laughter would clear the air and rest our brains for a second. And then, all was well in some form or fashion. And so I think we, 
I think we have to to work harder at finding humor, a nice kind of humor, a fifth grade kind of humor. Um, and and also these things give us some ability to be pers uh, to have perspective and learn from our mistakes rather than to not to deny them. So we might have to build something or write something over and over again. And then each time maybe what we do is be resilient in our practice and go to people to edit for us or come and see what we're doing and tell us what what do you think is a solution maybe they don't know but the right brother brothers were bike repairmen not airplane builders so so creativity um also spirituality you know this is something we sadly lack in this country uh we we think religion is spiritual and it may be for some people, but it's mostly once you get in your head, you're intellectualizing, you're not being spiritual. So well, be I think a lot of those, like the 12 step programs, they always put that layer saying, listen, you know, I'm going to turn over to a higher power. Yeah, I'm going to give whatever. up control. And mm -hmm. that, that helps a lot of people get through a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can say things like I, you know, I trust my ancestors. I mean, there are lots of beliefs that can be helpful in having spiritual practice, but also it helps you to have a deeper appreciation for life and it boosts a sense of your own capabilities and connections to others. And, and some of those practices, we've had other shows about that, about, um, really about meditation, but just also, you know, being alone with your dog or going on a walk and hugging a tree or whatever that is. But people who are resilient have that kind of ability to, to help themselves, to heal themselves, to calm themselves. And that's the place we want to find is that calm outside of the stimulus, you know, we go out to eat and there are TVs there, there are radio playing, there are people talking really loudly. Um, we, you know, we, it's hard to find in some places, a, a place to be spiritual, a place to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, uh, emotional resilience refer, refers to the ability to adapt to stressful situations, whether it's being where there's a lot of stimulus or whether it's because something bad happened. I think maybe, you know, when you were saying that, it just occurred to me, a lot of people will say this shouldn't be happening. Right. You know, this, and, and the reality is stressful situations, bad luck, bad things are going to happen. I think maybe the first hurdle is just to get past that. This shouldn't be happening and move on to, all right, how do I deal with right. this? Right. Well, I think, I do think it's good. Like I saw a, a, a news clip of a woman who um, who who had a small child, a baby, and uh, it was killed in a bombing, and she's screaming, "Why?" And I think I think we sometimes want to answer that, although the why is never you can't really. But if that's the way you begin your resiliency plan, sure. then that's okay. It's if you get stuck there. Yeah, it's a. I remember a, a Wayne Dyer tape I used to listen to, and he said, you know, when you stub your toe, you get up in the middle of the night, stub your toe. You can be dancing around the room going, ow, 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 and that's appropriate. But if you're still there four weeks later right. doing this, right. then it is suddenly not a good coping mechanism. No. So here are some basic characteristics of people who are practicing resiliency in a, in a natural way. And so, you know, if you feel like you need some help with emotional resiliency, then find one of those people in your life. They do exist. 
um, maybe you just haven't paid attention. So resilient people have hold positive views of themselves and their abilities. Sometimes that's a little bit of a challenge being, you know, sort of too confident about our abilities, but I don't think you can ever be that confident. I think it's when you insist on your own way. There's a difference of confidence and arrogance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So possessing the capacity to make realistic plans and stick to them. And that's really important in everyday life, personal life. That's really important with raising kids, uh, transitioning into a new job. I mean, the first time I realized you could make lists, my first mother-in-law, who was, I loved her to death. She showed me how to make a list when I was 19. I was like, oh, this is the answer to my anxiety. Make a list for everything. <laughs> anyway, so also have that internal locus of control where you don't blame what's outside of you. It's important to assess that and understand what those things are, but then how do they become tools or how do you eliminate them because they're in the way being a good communicator this is huge if you want to be resilient we meet people we see them on the news who have the vocabulary of about 400 words and i'm not being sarcastic because one time when i was working with girls from a rural area and they were so frustrated all the time they I counted words in a two-hour meeting, and they were at 425. And about half of them are got. Yes. So the problem being <laughs> that you can't express yourself effectively if you have 400 words. But even if you use a lot of words, you know, I remember talking to a guy who was like so thrilled with his own vocabulary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end, he, I told him, I just looked at him, he goes, listen, John, I know every word you just said, and they don't know. go together. No. So, so here's another one. And I think this is really important because we love the word victim and we love the word survivor in this culture. So we view ourselves as fighters rather than victims. And if we become the victim of a situation, we find a way and we use our toolkit to be fighting back. And then also we have a high emotional intelligence and we manage our emotions effectively. And that doesn't mean it happens all the time because sometimes you have to rein yourself in or ask for some help. So resilient people look at negative situations realistically, but in a way that doesn't center on blame or brooding. So let me just say real quickly before we run out of time that the way you build resilience, first of all, you embrace your challenges and your failures and you build connections with other people. So you prioritize your relationships and you get rid of the ones who don't fit into this toolkit. If you are with somebody who's constantly berating you and finding fault, send them to the counselor or tell them to go to the door and leave. Manage your own thoughts. Work on maintaining a hopeful outlook. Find ways to, one of the things I used to do is have all these cool things I'd cut out of magazines that were about scary is good and you matter and things like that. And I put them in front of the toilet. I had to look at that and remind myself constantly. And take care of yourself, foster wellness by taking care of your mind. You know, food is medicine, so eat well, try to be active physically and avoid unhealthy coping mechanisms like drinking, drugging, well, drinking is drugging, um, and shopping all the time. These are all things that bring us to a place where we can find some resiliency in our emotions and if we don't do it as a culture we we we're just really sunk 
Okay. Well, on that cherry news. <laughs> we can do it. You can the, learn to okay, do it. Okay, I'm optimistic. Okay, you've been listening <laughs> to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our optimistic, resilient, and emotionally stable <laughs> Emmy Award-winning producer, Adam God, Rich. I hope so. <laughs> and we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother probably told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... My grandmother said, play nice with others, and she right. Till next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.